You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So what I didn't do yesterday is what I said I would as far as looking at a lot of prospects because yesterday was running errands day. One of the things I did is got a brand new computer, finally. I've been talking about it for months. I've had this lined up for months, and I finally got her done. So hopefully what that will mean is that um, the jet engine noise, which I know sometimes is uh, very evident, I went back and listened, and I was like, yep, there's like a whistling sound in the background. That's officially done with. And apparently this bad boy's got some kind of audio enhancement stuff, so hopefully it sounds better. I don't know. So you're welcome. But I actually want to start off with uh, something that is kind of a forgotten art form of the Packernet podcast, something that used to be regularly featured and hasn't been in a very long time. I haven't really plugged it or talked about it, and I've actually borderline neglected it, and I feel kind of bad about that. One of the things in the Packernet podcast Facebook group that you need to be a part of that I posted is, hey, when I do a giveaway, what would be a cool giveaway? And some of the ideas were serious, some of them were unrealistic, and the rest of them were just not serious. But one recurring thing was, you know, either have one of us on the show or have us, you know, call in and ask questions and whatever. And it's like, that's already a thing. Do people not know that's a thing? It's like, well, that makes sense. Nobody would know that's a thing. I haven't plugged that in like a year. Also, I do. I, I had regular call in people that just don't anymore because I never answer their questions on the show anymore. So I want to start with that today. We'll do that after the break. But I also want to let you know that that's a thing, that I have a Google Voice phone number. The reason I emphasize that is that it's not my private phone number, so if you want to stalk or harass me, it's not going to work. And number two, you don't have to worry about calling me being like, hello, who's this? That's, it's just, it goes straight to voicemail. So you just drop a drop a message, good to go. Um, though I haven't actually put people's voices on in a while, but I can get back. I want to get back to doing that. It's just I, I kind of got it confused because some people are like, do not put my actual recording on here. So I'm going to start doing that. Unless you emphasize in the message, number one, I don't want this on the show. Or number two, if you tend to ramble, rant, if it's incoherent, ums, 45 seconds of this, that, you know, it's it's a question. I mean, it could be a statement. If you want to be a statement, that's fine. But just try to, you know, I know, don't, don't follow my lead. It's my show. I rant. You get to the point. If you don't, I'll still use it, but I will just summarize it for you, so... Looking for like 10 to 15 seconds max here. Some some people are, just, <laughs> I know Andy, Andy has to leave like three voicemails in a row because it keeps cutting him off and he can't finish in time. But that's fine. I don't think he wants to be on anyways. But if you, if you want to do that, you want to call, I'll throw your, uh, your message on the thing and answer it directly or whatever. And for some frustrating reason, all the names are gone. I renamed all this and they're just, they're gone. So it doesn't say Jim and Andy, but I remember Jim and Andy. But anyways, the number for the show is 608-501-0718, 608-501-0718. Feel free to, and you can text that number as well. I get a lot of people that text. Some people got texting so much that it's just kind of like a, it's not even like a football thing anymore. It's just like, hey, did you see American Idol last night? It's like, no, it's wrong number, dude. Stop. <laughs> I'm kidding. That doesn't happen, but that's a much more relaxed atmosphere. The calling is much more, uh, you know, 608-501-0718. Anyways, get in the group, like the page, rating and review, 
And um, today, planning on today, doing the uh, drawing for the giveaway, which will be announced tomorrow. So very, very excited about that. Going to have a brand new t-shirt in the store. Hopefully the winner has a good idea for a shirt. Either way, that's not really the point anyways. They get a free t-shirt of their choosing. It's more me that wants it to be cool. So I could sell a few and recoup the money it's going to cost to get this thing designed. And there I go, thinking out loud again. But why don't we go ahead and take our break? We'll get into the voicemails. And then there's still obviously a ton of stuff to get into today. We'll be right back. Today is the final day, ladies and gentlemen. It's the final day for me to beg and plead for your happiness. To try to reach out into the deep recesses of your mind where you've buried that spontaneous nature you used to have. The one that used to just get in the car and drive to Arizona just because, why wouldn't I? What was I going to do today? Clean the dishes and do the laundry and stare at my television? No, dude, go. Spring training is still going on. Head on down. Follow your favorite baseball team down to Arizona for the Cactus League spring training. Get all that baseball goodness that you could possibly imagine in amazing weather. And then you have the rest of the day to just enjoy Arizona. Great restaurants, live music, museums, outdoor adventures, great resorts, anything and everything that you could imagine. So plan your spring training getaway right now at visitarizona.com slash spring training. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So Jim left a message just to see how neglectful I've been of this um, back in February of, um, of the 6th, which is how you say that sentence. Sorry, this has gotten quieter, but I didn't like the sound of the audio. I'll try to find a happy medium between not liking the sound and um, making sure you can actually at least hear my voice a little bit. So his question was about um, what's going on with the wide receiver coach, which is still appropriate today because we have not yet hired one. I have no idea, and it's really hard to try to, you know, if you're doing like an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, head coach search, it's a lot easier to pull up names. It could just about literally be anybody. I mean, it could be somebody that's, been a higher position that maybe has just kind of fallen down you know maybe they were an offensive coordinator at one point and it just wasn't quite working out so they're going to kind of work their way back down and whatever it could be somebody at a lower level that works their way up which I mean how in the world could I possibly get a list of those names like how many offensive quality control coaches do I know of that are you know big na- I have no idea the only thing that I can sort of kind of conclude is that I don't think it's going to be somebody from in-house. Maybe it will be, but you, you get the impression that if they were ready to promote somebody from from within, it would have happened a long time ago. 
And now at this point, it's sort of to the point where if they do, I feel like they just couldn't find anyone else and settled. So I have to assume they're looking elsewhere. Um, I have to assume they're working on it. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's not a super high priority. I mean, it's not like there's a hiring flurry going on. So, you, you know, there's, they probably just cast a really wide net. You know, we really want to be able to interview a lot of people, get some people in the door. There's got to be some shining, rising stars out there somewhere, and there's 32 teams that are trying to hide their up-and-coming guys. Let's see if we can, you know, again, cast a wide net. Some of these guys, they actually hire firms um, to help with these things. They'll talk to their agents. They'll talk to other people. They'll, you know, try to whip something up and see what they can do and then you build out your list and then you start to make phone calls and you start to do interviews i am a little bit surprised it's taken this long but again i I just that's the only thing i can conclude is that's where they're at they are not just going to settle for i don't know next man up or um you know i worked with this guy once they're gonna really dig and find the right guy as though this was like a head coaching search you know because again why not are we just gonna say it's a lesser position so let's act like we don't care Again, I, I have no idea what's going on, but that's the only thing I can conclude because it is a little strange that it hasn't happened yet. So I'm just going to put a, put a positive spin on it and say that they're they're going real hardcore at finding the best wide receiver coach in the history of the known universe. And with that, we get to Andy's question. Now, I I really like the question, but from a it, it would be a great question for him to just ask me directly because I know. If I even somewhat take this question seriously, I'm going to lose listeners. <laughs> because it's one of those kind of Madden kind of situations where you just kind of do whatever and trade this guy here and move this guy over here. But, I mean, it's the thought process makes sense. It's just one of those things that, number one, doesn't happen in the NFL. Although, every time we say that, the NFL starts getting crazier and crazier and more Madden-like. So maybe there will be a time that this kind of stuff happens. But number two, we're talking about trading away a core piece of the Green Bay Packers, which just infuriates Packer fans. So you got to understand, very rarely, especially to one of my listeners or whatever, am I just going to call somebody out as just being a dummy, unless you're just being rude, in which case I will absolutely dedicate 10 minutes to ripping your face off. But I don't mind thinking through stuff because that's kind of the whole point of the show. So here is, I mean, it it sounded like there were two parts there, and one of maybe I just didn't quite understand one of it maybe got abandoned but let me get to the part that i know for sure let me let me i guess i'll just hit you right in the face with the full idea of what i think we're talking about number one would be to trade david by back tiari to the miami dolphins just wait stop calm down i know just stop they have three first round draft picks the idea is we trade david Bakhtiari to the miami dolphins now, earlier in the question, you mentioned liking Jack Conklin. I don't know if this is all a part of it where we go out and get him. Maybe that's a prerequisite. If we can get Conklin, we trade David Bakhtiari to the Dolphins because the Dolphins do need a tackle, et cetera, et cetera. Now, to kind of go more in-depth um, into the reasons why, number one would be the fact that Jack Conklin is a younger tackle. So it, it, I think the, the general crux of it is, in a sense, we're sort of almost taking a lateral move but with a younger tackle and we're paying Jack Conklin the massive contract instead of David Bakhtiari which I've been advocating for for a while as far as paying David Bakhtiari 
He's got a year left, so give him the extension now, massive extension, save a bunch of money, et cetera, et cetera. So we're, we're taking that idea, but instead of giving him the bag, we give it to Jack Conklin, give him the $18, $19 million deal or 20 or whatever it is because of everything I said yesterday. If you didn't listen to yesterday's episode, I really am going to need you to go do that. It's very important because it's going to lay the groundwork for a lot of the things that I'm talking about going forward um, as far as contract-wise, about how much m- the massive amount of money the, these teams are about to get in the future. So that part, it makes sense. I mean, if just take the emotion out of it. Take the, the, the idea of you just don't do that out of it. It's a lateral move. We're going to give the money to somebody. We give it to Conklin. We're going to assume that they're basically about the same player. We'll talk about the nuance in a minute. Because, it, I mean, from PFF-wise, it was David Bakhtiari and Jack Conklin. They were right next to each other as far as PFF grades. And in addition, not only have we lost essentially nothing, remember, taking the emotion out of it. We've lost nothing. We've got a younger tackle, and we gained a first-round pick out of it. Just looking at it from that perspective, I can't find a whole lot of reasons to complain. Let's dig a little bit deeper now. One of the things that he pointed out is that possibly, maybe, could be David Bakhtiari had some back issues. Is it possible? Although he's not old, he's only 28, meaning he literally could play for another seven years. There are 35-year-old tackles, some of them even older. There's no reason to really believe that he's officially done. There's no question this is the worst year he's played in a long time. It wasn't a bad year, but I I think Brian Balaga was the one that was taking on most of these guys. If anybody was struggling, I mean, if you look, I think it was the, I think it was the Philadelphia Eagles. It was one of these games, David. Or no, it was the uh, the Chargers game. I think Bosa just absolutely wrecked Bakhtiari like he wasn't even there. And uh, his overall grade was a 79. That was his lowest grade since 2015. Again, back issues, whatever, but the question was posed, is it possible he's slowly starting a descent? He's had three years of being an elite tackle, one of the best in football. And by the way, being more specific, his pass blocking grade was still about a 90, still elite. In fact, he didn't have a, a game below a 70 since Dallas, and that includes the Charger game, by the way, although that wasn't his highest, it was low 70s. And really, outside, and just looking at statistics, because I, I kind of made that up, it looks like I am correct. In that Chargers game, he gave up one sack, one hit, and two hurries. That was one of only two sacks he gave up the entire year, the other one being week one against Chicago. So he gave up one week one, one week nine, and then nothing the rest of the year, including the postseason. Eight hits and 27 hurries all year. The 49ers game against the other Bosa was also rough. He didn't actually give up any sacks, but he gave up six hurries, which was the most amount of pressures he gave up in a game outside of Minnesota. He gave up six also. So the other dynamic here is the fact that Conklin didn't have as good of a pass-blocking grade, but he's much more of a well-rounded guy. He gave up five sacks instead of two, but his run-blocking grade was an 83.7. Now, that's nowhere near as important. If you got to choose between a guy who is the best pass-blocker in football, which David Bakhtiari was the second-highest-graded pass-blocker in all football, which is the, the number one reason why I'm, I'm essentially saying no to this, but I, I am going to entertain it. Second-highest-graded pass-blocker in the entire game, just barely behind Ronnie Stanley in Baltimore ahead of guys like Laramie Tunsil, Jason Peters, Teron Armstead. The thing about Jack Conklin is that he has the fifth highest graded run blocker. Now that seems irrelevant, but that is something David Bakhtiari struggles with, and we know it's something that this team wants to do more. On top of that, Jack Conklin comes from where? Tennessee, which is where Matt LaFleur had come from. Now I think the, the more obvious thing here that a lot of people would be on board with is rather than paying Brian Balaga, why don't we go get Jack Conklin? He's not as good of a pass blocker as David Bakhtiari. He's one of the best run blockers in football, so slide him over to the right side. It just makes a lot of sense. The money might be complicated, but you know, 
I, I mean, that's that's what most people would rather do, I think. But I'm going to stick to what we got going on here. Let's not forget we're getting an additional first-round pick from the Miami Dolphins. The other complicating factor in that is that the Miami Dolphins, I don't think they would give us, of their high picks, I don't think they'd give us anything higher than maybe their third, only because there's so many tackles in this class. You know, they're going to use one of their 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 first round picks on a tackle. There's no there's zero question about that. We've just watched the combine in which these are incredibly talented tackles. The only real benefit is that you're getting a surefire thing. But the negative is you got to pay the guy right away. And really, I mean they, they they traded they just traded away Laramie Tunsil for a first round pick. Laramie Tunsil is is almost exactly the same pass blocking grade and run blocking grade as David Bakhtiari. He's basically the same guy. So my the, the bottom line is Miami wouldn't do it. They, they essentially just traded away David Bakhtiari so that they could get a first-round pick. And I know you said, well, what about another team that has a first? That was, I think Miami was just an example. But I just think there's a lot. The, I think the, the rationale is there. If you could make that work, if we could just assume a lot of those things, that John, Jack Conklin is essentially as good, he's going to cost roughly as much, because he will. Because if David Bakhtiari gets paid, he's going to be the highest-paid tackle in football. If Jack Conklin gets paid, he's going to be the highest paid tackle in football. If they both get paid, Conklin probably gets a little bit more, but we're splitting hairs on how much each guy's going to get. They're going to get the bag. So if we assume the play is roughly the same, which it isn't, Bakhtiari's a better pass blocker, you, you're getting a first round pick for a lateral move, costs you the same amount of money. He is a little bit of a better run blocker, which makes sense for what Lafleur wants to do. He has familiarity with Lafleur. All that stuff makes sense. But I, I just, I, I guess in general, the NFL just doesn't generally do those kind of Madden type things. I think there is a cohesion along the offensive line. I think there is a element of cohesion with, I mean, that that takes time to develop with the offensive line. But beyond that, there's cohesion between the tackle and the quarterback. There was somebody that I just mentioned. Um, I forget who it was. Jedrick Wills, one of the highest graded tackles in this draft class that a lot of teams are talking about moving him, moving him into guard. And it's really weird because he's one of the best tackles in this entire class. Why would they do that? Essentially because in through the interview and testing process, he's, to be polite, demonstrated that maybe he struggles in a cerebral sense. Maybe that wasn't a more polite way to say it. I just He, he, just, he doesn't come across as a very bright guy. And the comment that was made is maybe the the person that needs to be the most intelligent outside of the quarterback on a football field or on the at least on the offensive side of the ball is going to be the left tackle. I I, I wouldn't have thought that. That wouldn't have been my guess, but I'll take his word for it. I believe this was Tony Pauline, so he knows more about football than I do, so I'll defer to him. So there is that element, right? The, the This offensive lineman who understands how to work with Rodgers, who has more familiarity with this offense. I, I think there's more about the cohesion of the locker room and everything that goes into it as opposed to the cold nature of Madden, which essentially is just moving pieces around because they're nothing but numbers in Madden, right? Literally, it's, it's you got an 80 pass blocking grade here and an 89 pass blocking grade there. It's about the same. And if I'm going to pay one, he's younger. And then you just trade and everything is just numbers again. So you try to trade to Miami and of course they'll accept it because it's, even though it doesn't make sense that they just traded away a tackle, that that's not going to compute into the game. So there's a lot of variables that work in Madden that I just don't think work here Although, I, again, I do like the question because it is worth thinking about, at least insofar as asking the question of, you know, I'm assuming David Bakhtiari is about to get a massive extension, just like I assumed Brian Balaga was going to come back. I think there, there could be a question about David Bakhtiari. Which direction is he going? If he continues to slide, maybe we do second guess giving him a $20 million extension. 
what's the harm in letting him play another year and see if he, again, I hate to even call it bounce back because he did such a great job, but, you know, see see what happens and how he responds to the scheme. And is he going to improve? Is he going to continue to get worse? Is this run blocking going to continue to be this bad? I, 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 don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm very, I'm, let, let's call it 95% sure he's going to be a Green Bay Packer for a long time. But, but you know, kind of opening up that 5% to at least talk about. Um, and then Balaga, you know, as much as I, that's probably closer to 65%, which is dwindling rapidly. I, I'm starting to get really nervous, especially with these tackles doing a really good job that the Packers maybe will just try to hang on. But if, even if we just leave aside the David Bakhtiari thing, there's there's still, if nothing else, just opening up the, the idea and the possibilities that are out there. You know, think about last year with Mike Daniels. Who would have thought Mike Daniels was going anywhere? We all thought Mike Daniels was a key piece of this this entire defense. Granted, he had, I mean, he had a down year, but I don't, you know, if, if somebody would have asked the question, why don't we get rid of Mike Daniels, everybody would have flipped out, and I would have flipped out. Been like, dude, come on, it's it's one down year. Mike Daniels is a freak. The Packers saw it differently. They said, no, this is different. He's not really fitting. He, I mean, he never was a fit for Mike Pettin's scheme. Again, Mike Pettin likes the big, long arm, Roquan type of beast, and man, I want Roquan so bad. I can't even say his name without getting jacked up. Six foot seven, long arm beast. But he never. Mike Daniels never fit. He was a smaller, short-armed, gap-shooter type. And so when he had a down year, Patton's just like, good, out, get rid of him. And we saw. I mean, he he left. He went to Detroit. He got hurt. He didn't play. And now he's going to be gone in Detroit, one and done in Detroit. The Packers got rid of him right at the right time. Now, they didn't get anything for him, but it still, it was just a, it was a matter of not only the Packers, but the league was, was one step ahead of the fans. The fans said Mike Daniels is one of the best tackles in football. The Packers couldn't even trade him. You know they were trying to. They had to have been trying to get some kind of compensation for him, but uh, couldn't get anything for him, got released, and there you have it. So at least being open to these kinds of things, and, and, and you don't necessarily have to, but I really need to start being more open to these things, which is why I like those questions, because I come into these things as a fan with assumptions that our team is great and all these players are elite, and it, it's possible there's other conversations going on and maybe trying to be more honest about he took a step back, what does that mean? Without having that fan reaction of, you shut your mouth. Step back. He's the best in the world. Step on your face, maybe. But, again, it, I guess to summarize, you don't trade one of the best pass-blocking left tackles in the league for, you know, the 37th-ranked pass block. I mean, he's he's one spot behind Minnesota Vikings tackle Brian O'Neill. And I think even for a team that wants to run the ball especially for a left tackle, although I think the left-right paradigm doesn't matter as much. I, I still think for a, a even a run-first team, you don't give up one of the best pass blockers in the game for anything, for anyone. And he still is that, even if even if he's struggling a little bit with the, the outside zone and his run blocking is, is plummeting to a, even lower lows. He just You just don't get rid of him under any circumstance. And again, I... I, I did, even with a back injury, again, PFF did have him take a half a step back, but as a pass blocker, he's not going back at all. Since 2016, he's been an elite pass blocker. Now, it was, I guess you could say, a half a step back, but we're still talking about 90. 93, 94, 93, 90. That's what he's been the last four years. So I'm, I'm, I'm still of the mind that we give him a massive extension this year, help galvanize the troops, reward the man for what he is, which is one of the best in the game, give him what he's earned, what he's owed. It's going to help us with our cap. It's not going to hurt us going forward with the massive increases, even if it's only $30 million next year. It's going to be a massive increase over the next two years, and, and, and it's going to be nothing. Pay the man. Best of luck to Jack Conklin, but pay the man. Now, since we're talking about tackles, and I know you were talking about the other side, there was this report uh, a couple days ago 
This is from Tom Silverstein, or is it Stein? I, I never remember. You know the guy. It's Silverstein. Maybe not. I don't know. But essentially, and it's one of those things where everybody overreacts. This has happened to a lot of different teams and a lot of different players, but apparently the Packers have not even tried to reach out to Brian Balaga as of yet. The the specific report is that they're going to let him test the, the market. Now, this happens with a lot of players. Sometimes it's really just a tactic because guys like, for example, let's say Brian Balaga, Track has him at about $10 million worth as far as his value. If that's what the Packers think, and I, I think that number's ridiculous. Again, you got left and right tackles getting $18 million a year. Brian Balaga is one of the best right tackles in football, and we're going to pay him 10 I would be offended by that if I was Balaga. But if, if, if it's such a big difference, and apparently they haven't reached out, but whatever, I have to assume there's some kind of communication with maybe the agent has reached out to the Packers, and I don't know. But essentially, you have Balaga looking for about 18, you have the Packers looking at 10, and the Packers are at a point where they say, look, maybe we're willing to come up, but there's such a massive gap. And not only that, the gap is ridiculous. We don't believe anybody is going to pay you what you're asking, so we're going to take a chance, we're going to let you go out into free agency, and we're going to see what happens. It's a calculated risk with the assumption that with the amount of tackles in free agency and with the amount of great tackles in this draft class, he's not going to get his asking price, which will give the Packers the opportunity to reach out to him with, you know, meet him halfway kind of thing, like, look, what if we give you 14 and hope that Balaga says, okay, that's fine. Um, obviously, the biggest fear is that he's going to go out in free agency, he's going to strike a deal for 17, 18 million, and he's just gone, just like that. If I mean, if he gets what he's looking for, if somebody's willing to offer him whatever, then then yeah, he's, he's just gone. And that obviously creates a problem for the Green Bay Packers. There's a lot of talk about what about Billy Turner. I think that's a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. Billy Turner was by far the worst offensive lineman, and we're going to put him at a more tenuous spot at right tackle. I just see that as an absolute nightmare. The best case scenario for us in that kind of a situation would be to convince Jared Valdir to stick around. It was a very limited sample size, and I think maybe we overhype him a little bit, but there's no question that when he stepped in, he did a fantastic job. Very similar to David Bakhtiari in the way that he was, I mean, legitimately a very good pass blocker. Didn't allow a single sack, hit, or hurry in 58 snaps, um, but it's just a, a complete garbage run blocker. The issue is this is not a long-term solution. He's already almost 33 years old, so he would be, I think, older than Brian Balaga. So it doesn't solve a problem. It just solves the problem of we don't have a tackle. Um, It would also more or less solidify the fact that we would need to draft a tackle in the first two rounds, which means we we are only going to be able to get one of the three big needs in the first two rounds. Defensive tackle, linebacker, wide receiver. Only one of those three will be addressed. By the way, tight end. (laughs) That's... You know, it, it just it creates a problem. Now, it has to happen either way. One of these times you have to draft a tackle in, in hopes of replacing Bright. You can't just keep kicking this can down the road. It works with the salary cap as well as your your roster. You can't keep kicking it down the road. You have to address it at some point, but it's just always a not very fun thing to do, especially when you're drafting at the back of the first round. Again, a lot of the, the really good tackles get drafted early. So I don't know how great of a hit rate it's going to be. It's going to be a massive downgrade, and we're going to spend a first-round pick on a downgrade. It just it just makes me cringe. And again, I know it has to happen, but I would much rather sign and extend Balaga and then take swings in the third, fourth round and just hope to get lucky. Maybe second round, whatever. At least try to solidify a tackle that we can trust before we move on. Outside of that, and I know a lot of people are going to laugh, um, but I've been trying to tell you guys this for a long time, I am not opposed to keeping Jason Spriggs around. 
Jason Spriggs was absolutely a laughing stock, worst tackle in the history of the world, but one of the most underrated things is the fact that he has improved. Remember, he's faced a lot of injury issues, but this is a six foot six, three hundred pound guy that we traded up in the second round to get because he's an absolute athletic freak. He is only twenty five years old. He's not an ideal candidate, I'll I'll admit that, but I still think we're we're thinking back on twenty sixteen when he was just the worst ever, and we're not giving him the credit of 2018. It was a very limited sample size, but he had several times where he had to step in in a full-time capacity. Yes, he got whooped by Khalil Mack, but that's going to that's gonna happen to anybody. I, 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 I don't know. I guess if nothing else, if we're going to get rid of Brian Balaga, we need to keep Jason Spriggs. There's no reason not to. I want to see if he's going to continue to improve, because he has shown improvement. And although he, you know, 2018 version of Jason Spriggs isn't super ideal, it's 2020 now. I want to see what this guy can do, especially under Matt LaFleur, which is much more of a, you know, athleticism is much more of a premium. This is a different offensive system. Maybe he'll thrive in this. I don't know. I just, I don't want to forget that he's there. And again, he's only 25 years old. Entirely possible that he's completely done and they're going to move on from him this year. But as an option, he, I mean, that was the reason he was drafted. He was drafted. This is why you take a tackle in the second round when you don't necessarily need one, because the time is going to come when a guy like Brian Balaga is wanting a ton of money, despite the fact that he's getting much, much older, higher up in age. And what you generally do is you turn to Jason Spriggs and you say, nope, you take the job. And then you have a bunch of money left over. The problem is this is seen as a swing and a miss, but I just don't want to quite call it that yet. Show me that it's a swing and a miss. I remember when he was the laughing stock of the NFL. I get it. I also remember when, when uh, Josh Jackson was an absolute joke, and we were ready to move on, and suddenly he showed a little bit of a flash, and now we're all kind of in, in wait-and-see mode. That's just where I'm at with Jason Spriggs. I just want to wait and see. Second-round pick. Right, even Kevin King. I'd pretty much written him off as well. He really came in real hard at the end of the last season. Suddenly, it's like, wait a minute. Maybe we do have a really good duo here. This is only going to be his year four, and he's never really played a full-time I mean, 2018 was when he played the most, 292 snap, and it was his best year. A 72 overall pass blocking grade is not bad at all. In fact, his grade was a 72.4, which is exactly what Jack Conklin's pass blocking grade was. Not calling him Jack Conklin, I'm just putting it into perspective for you about why there's a little bit of optimism in my mind. Literally the exact same pass blocking grade as as Jack Conklin's 2019 pass blocking grade. Just saying, don't forget he's on the team, especially when we got guys talking about possibly moving Billy Turner out to tackle. It's like, you know what? Let's just pump the brakes and explore some other options here. But, um, you know, it's something to consider. We know the Packers don't like to use tags, and we also know that they're very unwilling to um, concede to players that are trying to to strong-arm the team. You know, some teams like the Dallas Cowboys are like, all right, just give them everything. They they don't mind throwing money around and, and overpaying. The Vikings obviously love overpaying everybody. The Packers do not. They have a value, this is what you're worth, this is what you'll take, and I don't care how good you are, if you don't accept this, we're going to let you go. Or in the case of guys like Aaron Rodgers, for example, they, they will neg- negotiate that to the death and find a way to make it work, but they're never going to break for a player. We'll find a way if it's worth it, but you're not going to just take us to the cleaners here. And as great as that is for the Packers never usually being in terrible salary cap situations, it also means that we see guys go maybe a little bit too early at times. So, I don't know. We'll see. We know if it was Ted Thompson, he'd already be out the door, and we would just roll without a tackle because he could, does not care. We'll see what Goot can come up with. But anyways, um, now nah, you know what? Let's take a break. Somehow that took a half hour. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back with some uh, combine news and information. 
So again, I, I don't want to get too in-depth on the combine quite yet because everything's just coming so fast and furious. I want to be able to take some time and, and really evaluate what my thoughts on some of these things are. However, some very good and bad news about the linebackers. Um, Queen and Murray are both very, very fast. Now, they're not the only ones that are fast, but those are the, the guys that are considered potential options for the Green Bay Packers in the first round. Patrick Queen ran a 4-5 and... Um, Kenneth Murray was right behind him at a 4-5-2. The fourth and sixth fastest linebackers in this class, actually third and fifth, because Isaiah Simmons shouldn't be classified as a linebacker. Isaiah Simmons is an absolute freak, though, regardless of what position he's at. The issue, though, both Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray pulled up in the event, meaning they got hurt. Now, it's a good thing that they were able to get that first time in, because it's a good time and you don't really need another one after that. So, you know, everything that needed to be seen as far as the 40 time was seen. But the the main reason I bring it up is apparently a lot of players, a lot of, you know, agents and representatives, they're very, very upset because the NFL trying to make this, you know, financially viable event, because it's, you know, it's ginning up a lot of whatever. People are getting excited about it. They want to start doing it in prime time. The problem is a lot of these guys are cold by the time they take the field at eight o'clock at night or whatever time it is um, I know in some of these cases I think for the running backs and there were running backs and offensive tackles a lot of guys are getting hurt a lot of guys are getting hamstring injuries these guys are told that they need to be on the field at you know two o'clock in the afternoon and they're sitting around until eight o'clock at night and there's a lot of talk about you know not just the fact that guys are getting hurt but also the fact that guys like Jalen Rager are like dude I can run a lot faster than that. The The problem has to do with just being, I mean, borderline tired. I mean, some of these guys, they're, they're eating dinner and then they got to go run a 40. It's like, usually at this point in time, they're eating dinner and they're going to bed. Now they got to, you know, so the, the testing is all, all messed up. And so I think there's going to be a major emphasis on pro days because pro days are going to be, they're not a media event. This is going to be hosted by the schools. They don't care about making money. They care about highlighting their players. And so they're going to try to cast them in as good a light as possible. This is going to be done at the, the appropriate time, in the appropriate setting, in the appropriate situation. And I think we're going to start to see a lot of a lot of different things. And so it's kind of upsetting because we're looking at this and saying, oh, you know, I mean, even I, 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 I knew Henry Ruggs wasn't going to break the record because everybody was underwhelming. Every single person. I thought, this is so weird. And I was trying to figure out why this was happening. Everybody's expectations were he's going to run this, and he runs much slower. And when I saw Jalen Rager, I just thought, you know what, there's no way Ruggs is breaking this. And it wasn't even really close. But again, I think Rager's going to blow his time out of the water when his, when his, um, when his pro day comes. And, I mean, the, the unfortunate thing about the event is I don't think they're going to change it because despite the injuries, this has become a commercially viable product. A lot of people are tuning in. Even more people are going to tune in. Tune in. They're going to start taking this thing on the road. They're going to take it out of Indy. They're going to move it around the country just like they do with the draft because it's becoming a huge event. A lot of people want to be there. Or they want to see it. They want to watch it. And so, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the one real big negative that might dissuade this is apparently a lot of agents are saying that next year they're not going to let their guys run. They're just flat out going to say, anybody I represent, I'm refusing to let them run. I'm not going to have them go out with cold hamstrings and run a 40-yard dash twice and shred their hamstring to be a spectacle on television. You want to watch my guy come to his pro day. So I think there's going to be somewhat of a battle going back and forth as far as the NFL trying to make more money and the players saying this is dumb. And even the teams have to think this is dumb. 
they don't want to be out there late, and they don't want to see garbage results and cold players trying to, you know, half asleep trying to get this stuff done. They're there to try to see what these guys can do, and they're they're getting, you know, 80%, 90% of what they can normally do. So, I mean, this is certainly a situation where they, they, don't, they need to not do that. And I don't even like it anyways. I don't get to watch half of it because I'm passed out by 8 o'clock, which I know is nobody's concern but my own, but they, they just, it's dumb. It's it's dumb. they got to find another way. Maybe if you're going to take it on the road anyways, split it up. No, you couldn't do that because you'd have to have the scouts and GMs all split up. Just trying to think how you could do it all on the weekend so it wouldn't be a time issue. Don't know, not my problem. But that is that is a problem, um, and it's the reason guys are getting hurt. And you've got uh, DBs, you got corners and safeties that are going today. And it'll be interesting. There might be guys that bow out. I don't know. You would think if there's agents saying next year I'm not going to let guys do this, that uh, you would think last minute they'd be like, no, sorry, not going to happen. I'm not going to risk you getting hurt, especially if you're a lock first-round guy anyways. It's like, nah, we're good. Come to the pro day. But again, either way, as far as these linebackers, there's a lot of speed. You know, every, everybody that we've been talking about as far as Blake Martinez, Kwiatkowski, Joe Schobert. I mean, the fastest of that entire group, I think, is Blake Martinez at 471. We've got, I mean, Willie Gay, who I like, at 446. Davion Taylor, 449. Patrick Queen, 45. Sean Bradley, 451. Kenneth Murray, 452. Jordan Brooks is another option out of Texas Tech, 454. Kaliki Hudson, 456. Carter Coughlin, 457. Azur Kamara, 459. I mean, Zach Bond out of Wisconsin even is a 465. Malik Harrison, very popular linebacker that I like a lot, is a 466. Even Joe Batchy, who's seen as just a straight up. I mean, I, I really like him just as a, a smash mouth kind of linebacker. I don't think that's where the Packers, the direction they want to go. Nobody really likes that anymore. I still do. But even that guy's a 467 and 26 reps on the bench, by the way. Zach Bond was 24, which is impressive. Um, some other really good performers. Kenneth Murray also dominated the uh, the vert. I mean, he wasn't the best, but as far as the guys that are available, Kenneth Murray, 38 inches. Broad jump, Kenneth Murray was third, just behind Isaiah Simmons at 129. Willie Gay just absolutely tore everything up, by the way. I'm leaving him out of this just because I'm talking about the main two guys. And I don't have Willie Gay that high on my list. He's he's at the very bottom of my second tier, which would be my 13th overall linebacker. But this guy just tore everything up. I'm going to have to go back and when I go back and watch this, I'm going to put an emphasis on him. Because speed, he's through the roof. All these these testing things, he was just really, really high. Uh, the three-cone, Malik Harrison, Joe Batchy again. Zach Bond did a great job. Short shuttle, Evan Weaver did a really nice job. Another big, strong, heavy hitter type. So that's going to be important for him to be able to get these shuttles and three cones and stuff really, really high. Or low, I should say. So I, I, overall, I, I just think it's a good linebacker group as far as speed and athleticism and whatnot. I, I just think there's a real good opportunity for the Packers to get a good linebacker out of here. It doesn't have to be the first round. Although, again, if it is a guy like Kenneth Murray, it's just such a massive upgrade. And there's there's no telling. I mean, he might be not a very good linebacker or whatever. But just in terms of having the athletic tools that limit Blake Martinez, it's going to be there. Whether or not he's going to be a good football player is is the other question that I, I don't know. Something else that really excited me, is, as much as it's a weird thing to say, but uh, LaVisca Chenault apparently is going to need core muscle surgery. The only reason I say that that excites me is because I was very, very disappointed with his 40 time. I thought he looked really fast on the field. That was the reason he was actually as high as he was. I was going to put him lower, but I watched him on a couple plays just fly down the field, and I thought, you know what? This dude's actually really fast. So there's all that stuff that I already really like about him, but he actually looks really fast. I mean, I'm not, I'm not talking 4-3 speed fast, but I'm talking about not slow. And so when he ran a 4.58, that was disappointing because that's pretty slow. 
I thought he would be in the, you know, like, I mean, just show me like a 4.5 or a 4.49 or something. So I, I don't know how much that's going to impact things. A 4.58 is kind of slow and probably would be an issue. I mean, not not overly because that's not really seen as one of his strengths, but in terms of being that next level of good, we already know he can do all this other stuff, the, the wildcat being strong and physical and powerful. But if you add that di- the dynamic of speed, oh my goodness. So it's, it's given me a glimmer of hope that he could still be that uh, that top tier. And, and again, how much does that hurt? Well, one of the things I want to do, and if I can remember, I'm going to do it right after I'm done with this episode. I want to put a list up of all the guys that will not make it to 30. And I promise you there's going to be more than 30 guys. The reason that's exciting is because it gives you hope for guys like LaVisca Chenault or like Jalen Rager. There was an article, I think, I don't remember where. But it was, you know, why Jalen Rager won't still won't fall into the second round. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, I know why. Because if he makes it to 30, he's gone. <laughs> which isn't which isn't a guarantee. You know, it could be one of these top tackles is still there. They get taken. Could be a linebacker, whatever. But just the idea that it's being talked about, maybe he falls. And you start to look at these guys and you talk about it, and and and, and that's what happens every year. You say maybe the Packers will draft Jalen Rager, and and no, without hesitation, somebody jumps in and says he'll be gone. And, and there's for very good reason, but the point is you can only say that about 29 guys. So you have to pick the 29 that aren't going to be there. And the problem is once you get to about 20, after that, there, there's of course there's a possibility he slides a couple more spots. You're going to tell me that your, your 29th guy, there's zero chance that he's going to fall to the Packers? Of course there's a chance. So as far as guys that there's quote-unquote zero chance they fall, what are we talking about? The top 10 or 15? And at this point in the season, I mean, even then, we don't know. Something can happen. So I, I do want to do that, and I'll do that in my uh, my mock draft Facebook group as well and see how big of a list I can get of uh, which guys, and I'll, I'll maybe just make it in the first round, which guys, there's zero chance they make it into the uh, into the second round. But again, the point of that exercise is to, to kind of give hope that these guys could absolutely make it. I mean, I, I haven't done an update on my big board, and I, I will after. I want to let the dust settle a little bit on this combine to see how things adjust. But just on my last updated board, Jalen Rager was listed as the 31st best prospect. 31st. Um, pivoting off of that, probably should have brought this up a little earlier, but my notes were a little out of order. Sorry about that. They're now talking about the possibility that the cap this year is also going to be raised from 200 to $204 million. So that's a free $4 million, which I know doesn't sound like much, but again, remember what I talked about yesterday in terms of if we were to possibly go out and get Austin Hooper in the first year, what did I say we would pay him? Roughly four point something million dollars. So just this little cap bump would almost pay Austin Hooper in the first year. Just covered it. It would be, you know, maybe a third of a David Bakhtiari extension or, or, you know, between a half and a third of what it would cost in the first year. I'm not talking about his annual average per year, because again, the average doesn't hardly mean anything. The average is an overinflated number that we, we always look at the average as what he's getting paid, and then we compare that to what the total is to get an idea of how much we're paying him. It's like, oh man, that's a lot of money, but they're not getting that. And next year, they're not getting that either, because the salary cap goes up. So even if they're at about average, well, the salary cap went up, so they're not even quite at that high of a percentage as what you thought it was last year. So that's exciting news. I mean, it's, again, everything is good and bad when it's applied to every single team. I mean, it's going to be digging the Vikings out. And this whole thing is going to be a situation where the Vikings just have to weather the storm for this year, and then they're fine. Because with the cap increase, every team that has just destroyed their cap gets a get-out-of-jail-free card. But, you know, again, the flip side of that is the Packers, who have managed their cap well, are going to be flush with cash. 
So everything's good and bad, but focusing just on the Packers, they're going to be fine. And again, if they want to go out and spend some money, they absolutely can. Again, if you want elaboration on what it is I'm talking about, you have to go back to yesterday's podcast. Uh, finally, the last thing I want to talk about, and I don't remember who mentioned it. Somebody had said somewhere out there in the ether that their favorite get this year would be Danny Shelton. They want to go out and get Danny. Now, the biggest issue with that is apparently he's a priority for the New England Patriots. They traded for him out of the Cleveland Browns um, back when they were just poaching everybody because the Browns were just cutting everybody, trading everybody. So it's unlikely that we're going to be able to get him. The other aspect is I don't know that he's a super great fit in terms of what Petten likes, 6'2", 345. We haven't had a guy built like that in a very long time. He's short and stout, whereas Petten seems to like long and lean. But assuming it was doable... Spotrack has his market value at $4.7 million, which again, just the cap increase, not not even talking about the 5% incre- increase up to 200, the additional increase of, of the of 4 million free dollars to every team basically pays for this whole thing. And again, it's not even going to be 4 million in the first year. He's going to get like two. So we're going to have, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's basically free to get Danny Shelton. We can offer him whatever we want, give him $5 million like it's nothing. Uh, the the thing with Danny Shelton, and he is he's only 26, so he's a young guy, extremely talented. He was a first-round pick back in 2015. He is just the prototypical big Haloti Nada, you know, 345-pound nose tackle. He is fairly stout against the run. That's just sort of his whole thing. The, the negative was he kind of went backwards last year, but improved as a pass rusher, which is strange. I don't know if this has something to do with something different the uh, the New England Patriots did. But if we just look strictly at grades, and the reason I do grades for some things as opposed to others is because there's not a lot of good stats for run defense. I mean, there's tackles, but if you're a Packer fan and you think tackles mean anything as far as being a run defender, then assuming I'm assuming you're a huge Blake Martinez fan. But if we just look at his grades, 2016, 83.7, then 79.5, then 76.3, dropped down to 65.4 this past year. He had one, two three, four, only five games in the 70s. Five good games this whole year. About six average games, uh, two games in the 50s, which is below average, and then four games that are just terrible. And that's just against the run. I'm not looking at overall grades. This guy's sole purpose is to be great against the run, and he spent as much time being bad as he did being good, and he had no games in which he was great or elite. In terms of a pass rusher, you don't expect much. His grades were okay, uh, 18 pressures, three sacks, three hits, and 12 hurries. But that's not why you bring him in. You bring him in because he's a big, strong, stout run defender. And the fact of the matter is, in my opinion, at any cost, I don't see bringing in a guy that had his worst year as a run defender as basically just being a mediocre guy when his body type is strictly... I mean, if you're going to be that big, you better be a freak against the run because you offer us nothing else. In a league that always wants pass rush, especially for guys like Pettin, I I just I don't see there's any chance of it happening. If it does, it would be very strange to me because again, Pettin likes the longer, leaner guys. He likes guys that are gonna, you know, use that length to hold off a defender to be able to two gap, but also to be lean enough to be able to to handle the one gap assignments and also to be able to bring pressure when that is necessary. Versatile guys that can move around. I put you inside. I put you outside. 
you know, from nose tackle to defensive end, what, from one one place to another, whatever that happens to be, Danny Shelton is always just going to be the guy. And that would also mean that if he's strictly going to be a nose tackle, and it's probably going to be a situational nose tackle, he's not going to be out there in pass rushing situations or passing downs. You're going to be running him on and off the field, but when he's on the field, he's the nose tackle, which is Kenny Clark's job. So Kenny Clark is strictly going to be a defensive end now. I just, I don't think it's going to happen. I understand liking Danny Shelton. I just don't think it fits. I don't think it works. I don't think Mike Pettin wants him. I don't think the Packers want him. They want Roquan. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Anyways, we'll leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Sunday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.